Amen. Well, you can open your Bibles to Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24, verses 44 through 49. This is the text that the Lord in his providence has given us to focus on this morning as we make our way verse by verse through Luke's gospel. And we're almost at the end of this gospel at the end of almost four years. We've made it, and we got a few more weeks to go, and then we have Easter coming up, and then I'll tell you about what we're starting after that. Um, But uh, probably next week, I'll give you some information. But I'm excited. The Lord has a lot left to do here as we spend a couple more weeks in the Great Commission, and then we move into the Ascension. So let's begin, as we always do, by reading the text together. Excuse me. Verse 44, Luke 24. Then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And he said to them, thus, it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all Nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you. But stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. What, a, what an incredible passage. And what we're seeing in this passage, as I told you last week, is that the risen Lord Jesus is now telling his disciples that his gospel message should be made known among the nations and that his disciples are to be the ones who are proclaiming that truth, that message. In other words, the gospel message should be made known to every person on the planet, and Christ's disciples are the ones to make that message known to every person on the planet. Christ's disciples are about to be thrust into the adventure of their lives. Christ has completed his atoning work. He has and is now giving them clarity about the gospel through explaining to them the entire Old Testament in light of himself. And they will be empowered by the Holy Spirit, sent into the world 
and make the gospel known. And this message will extend to all the nations. It would not only be for the Jew, but for the Gentile also. It would be for all people. And his disciples would literally begin in Jerusalem. And then they would get the gospel outside of Jerusalem to Judea. But they wouldn't stop there. They would then go beyond the borders of Judea and get it to Samaria. And then they would go beyond those borders and be unbound in their proclamation of the gospel. It would extend to the ends of the earth, Acts 1.8 says. And that latter category, by the way, as I mentioned to you last week, that's you and I. It began in Jerusalem, moved out to Judea, then to Samaria, to the ends of the earth, and you and I are in that category, the ends of the earth. Because of those faithful disciples moving from Jerusalem to Judea, to Samaria, and to the ends of the earth, you and I who are Gentiles know the gospel of Christ. We would have never heard it had it not extended. That commission is literal. So praise God that his disciples obeyed that commission, right? And this proclaiming, this persuading, this testifying, this reporting, this announcing, this instructing, this witnessing, as we saw last week, all of those words are used in the Greek synonymously to describe the effort of evangelism. These disciples would do that work and make disciples of Christ or believers in the gospel. And they would go from place after place. And those groups of believers then would gather. And they would be sanctified by the word. And then they would become witnesses themselves. So this persuading, proclaiming, reporting, testifying, announcing, instructing, witnessing by Christ's disciples from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria to the ends of the earth... They would make other believers in Christ, other disciples, those disciples and believers in that specific place would gather. They'd be sanctified by the word. They'd become witnesses themselves. And the gospel would continue to extend. And this can be clearly seen as you transfer from Luke's first book to Luke's second book. Because we just really could seamlessly transfer from Luke to the book of Acts which he also wrote. And so now Christ gives this commission and then this gospel begins to spread. His gospel spreads throughout the book of Acts and we watch it. And we as disciples of Christ have been reached by this gospel. You and I are those disciples of Christ who have been made by the gospel, believers who now gather with the saints who are being sanctified by the word, and we now have become those witnesses to bring that gospel to the ends of the earth. We now have become ourselves the witnesses, the ones who are gathered with the saints who have been converted by the gospel message, who are being sanctified by the word. And now we have the job 
of bringing that gospel to neighbor and nation so that they may hear and they can be reconciled to the only true God through his son, Jesus Christ. And that should happen for, for every person. That is the right thing to happen, that every person on the planet would be reconciled to God, though we know it won't. That is right, because God is the only sovereign creator, the owner of all things. He deserves to be and demands to be worshipped, saved, uh, 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 served, and enjoyed by every person on the planet in all generations. He deserves to be. And so this is the mission for the church. For us to bring this message to every person on the planet so they can know, serve, and worship the only true God who created them. So that they can realize their sin, turn away from their sin, turn to God, receive his forgiveness through Christ, know him and be with him for all of eternity. This is the church's mission. That's our mission. Listen now, there's only one mission for the church. Only one. In terms of what we go to do outside of these walls. There's only one mission. What do we go do? We can do other things if we have the time, if we have the extra resources, if we have the extra energy, right? We can do other good things, but there's one thing that we must do. The church is to be built up, but the world is to be reached. That's our one mission. We can do other things like alleviate poverty if we've got the time, the energy, and the resources. But there's one thing that we must do, and that's evangelize. The church comes to be built up. That's what you're doing here right now. And then we go to reach the world with the gospel. The church is to be matured. The world is to be reached. That's how it works. We gather and then we scatter. And so if you are in Christ, these words in this passage are Jesus's very words to you. They're Jesus's words to you. He now sends you. And if you are his follower, here's the question. Will you follow him? If you're his follower, will you follow him in this? It sounds like uh, an oxymoron, doesn't it? A, A follower who doesn't follow. We need to be followers who follow. And if these are Jesus's very words, then not to do this would be a clear violation of his words. And so will you hear your teacher's instructions? Will you obey your master's commands? Everybody can do this. Every single person who is a Christian can do this. There's new believers in our church who are already doing this. And they don't know much. So will you submit to the Lord's call in this to bring about the worship of God through salvation, through the means that Christ has provided? And so this is your task. So as we look at this passage, we're going to see three portions to this. As we look at this, and by the way, I've entitled this message, The Great Commission, because that's what it is. It's the Great Commission, and this is Luke's version of the Great Commission, but it truly is a great commissioning. And this is part two. As we look at this, we can really divide it into three headings. Three headings in this section. The plan in verses 44 through 47, 
the people in verse 48 and the power in verse 49. As Jesus gives this great commission, he describes the plan. He describes or points out the people and then he gives the power in verse 49. And so this week, we're only going to cover verses 44 through 47 and only cover the plan. And next week, we'll cover the next two. But I've wanted us to spend about three weeks in this. And last week was about a, uh, it was an introduction. And so we're going to cover the plan this week in verses 44 through 47. Now, let me just mention this before we get into this, okay? If you weren't here last week, I just really encourage you to go back and listen to the message preached last week, okay? Because we served, it served as an introduction to this idea of evangelism. We talked about the mission of evangelism, going back all the way to the beginning of the Bible. God has had a plan to bring about people knowing him and worshiping him, and he's committed to his glory. And we move through the the seed that was promised in Genesis chapter 3 all the way through Abraham and David into the New Testament where the seed comes about, the seed accomplishes his work, and is then brought to every nation. I want you to see that mission. It's far bigger than you can realize. And God has been committed to this since the beginning of time. And so evangelism... It's much more than a, just a superficial, quote-unquote, love for the neighbor. It should include that, but it's far bigger than that. Secondly, we talked about the meaning of evangelism, where I described to you what that word means in the Greek and even talked about the words that are used synonymously to describe the act of evangelism in the Greek in the New Testament, and then what it's not, and what to do with rejection If we are to be faithful to that message, the meaning of it, what does it mean? What does evangelism mean? Then we talked about the motivation of evangelism. What's that supposed to come from? Am I just supposed to be shamed into it? No, it comes from a genuine love for God, a genuine love for his glory, a genuine love for neighbor that wants neighbor to have the same thing as you have. And it comes from a desire not to waste your life and to be faithful. And then we talked, lastly, about the message of evangelism. What is the actual message that we are supposed to share? And I introduced to you last week that we have these tracks that are out in the lobby that you can bring with you, and you can share, use it to share with your friends if you need help. We're also teaching an evangelism class in Sunday school as to how to share that. You can come up to us at any time, and we'd love to meet with you and explain to you the very message that you can be faithful with to share the gospel to your neighbors. And so all of this is, is good for you to know and lay as a foundation when we talk about evangelism. And now we move into this text where Jesus is commissioning his disciples to actually go and do this. So the plan, that's where we're going to sit this morning in verses 44 through 47. Let's read those verses again as we talk about this plan. Then he said to them, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you. These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you. 
that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, thus or so it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. This is pretty straightforward and clear, not hard to understand. I'm going to explain it to you anyway, because that's my job. You're welcome. Thank you for saying thank you. We'll keep going back and forth. Okay, as we look at this now, Luke is condensing here. He's covering a lot of ground in terms of time. He's really covering four post-resurrection events, omitting a lot of details of them. So what this includes is Sunday evening with the disciples, eight days later with Thomas, the appearance to seven disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, and then to the mountain in Galilee where most likely he appeared to the 500 at one time. And most likely gave the great commission to the 500 at one time on the mountain in Galilee. And so all of that is really being condensed here as Luke normally likes to do. And he's really giving us this kind of final section before the ascension. And the emphasis out of all of those events that he's condensing is really verse 47, which is, and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. So in this condensing, what is being emphasized here is clearly Jesus's commission to the disciples to go and make disciples. And so Matthew's account of the Great Commission, you know, can be found in verses 16 through 20 in Matthew chapter 28. And Luke here, he focuses on this and the focus begins in verse 44. That's where, that's where the section kind of begins. That's where we change focuses here. That's where the literary unit begins. And so let's look at this verse by verse. Word by word, phrase by phrase, verse 44. Then he said to them, them being the disciples that were in the upper room. But again, Luke here is condensing. And so we understand the commission came to more than just them. He says this in verse 44. These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you. In other words, what Jesus is saying here is, Before my death and before my resurrection, Jesus repeatedly spoke of the predetermined plan of salvation. So before any of it ever happened, Jesus kept telling his disciples 
This is what's going to happen. Right? And he did so, he's saying here, by interpreting to them the Old Testament, freshly applying it to himself and his work. And so despite these repeated teachings, it's clear because Jesus is saying here, this is what I said to you repeatedly while I was still with you before my death, before my resurrection. It's clear that the disciples didn't put all of these pieces together. They didn't put all of them together regarding the Messiah. And we can see clearly that Jesus has done this. He's told them, this is what's going to happen. This is the plan. This is what must happen. And even doing it through interpreting them, the Old Testament, Jesus speaks these words. Just stay in Luke. We'll just use his gospel as a reference. But just turn back to Luke chapter 9. Let's start there. We'll do kind of just fly by a couple of sections here. Luke chapter 9, verse 22. It says, the son of man, this is Jesus's words, must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. If you move on a little bit further to chapter 9, verse 44, same chapter, Verse 44, let these words sink into your ears. I want to say that a few times from up here, right? He says, the son of man is about to be delivered into the hands of men. They didn't understand. Verse or chapter 18, just jump to chapter 18. Verse 31, and taking the 12, he said to them, see, we are going up to Jerusalem and everything that is written about the son of man by the prophets will be accomplished for he will be delivered over to the Gentiles and will be mocked and shamefully treated and spit upon. And after flogging him, they will kill him. And on the third day, he will rise. But they understood none of these things. The saying was hidden from them, and they did not grasp what he said. We move into Luke chapter 24, where we're at today. And remember in verses 6 through 8, in Luke chapter 24, it says... After the, uh, the angels are doing the announcing here, it says he is not there uh, here, but he has risen. And the angels say this. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the son of man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise. And they remembered his what? His words. Obviously, he had said this. So this is exactly, go back to our section now, verse 44, chapter 24. This is exactly what he did and exactly what he explained to them. This was Jesus' plan. And this is what he did and this is what he had planned to do. And he said, remember my words that I spoke to you before all of this happened. This 
was the plan for me to go through this to accomplish something. Now he gets more specific. Look at verse 44 again and let's move a little bit further. These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you. That everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. So again, just like he did on the road to Emmaus, he had explained to them more fully than what had been originally revealed in the scriptures. So what had been originally revealed in the scriptures now had been progressively given more and more revelation. It is, again, remember, no longer okay to just believe in a future redeemer of God. Now you, to be saved, must believe in Jesus of Nazareth, the son of God, to be saved. So now this progressive revelation is being made known. Jesus is explaining this with more detail than what had been originally revealed in the Old Testament, who he was, what he came to do, how he came to do it, what would be accomplished, and did so from the Old Testament scriptures, from their sacred, divine scriptures, the Old Testament. This revelation, which has now been completed. Jesus' reference here, look at the text. He refers to the law of Moses, the prophets, and the what? Psalms. This is just another way to refer to the entire Old Testament. That's what he's doing here. Now you got to understand how much they valued and loved and believed in and were committed to the Old Testament. And this is the Messiah saying all of those words were pointing to who? Me. This is big. And so... Sometimes in shorter reference, the Old Testament is just referred to as the law and the prophets. Here, Jesus inserts the Psalms. Jesus has ex- had explained to them more fully how the Old Testament revealed his person and work. Now, stay with me here. How these predictions would then be fulfilled. How all of these would be fulfilled in Christ. And he's explaining all of this to them. From the very beginning, listen now, listen close, okay? God's plan was to seek and to save, listen, sinners. This was the plan. So when, they, when Jesus is about to instruct them in evangelism, he first starts with the fact that this has always been the plan for God himself to come and to save sinners. You see, before I ever get to the idea of you being the ones now to go and proclaim this message, let me tell you this first and foremost. The plan has always been for God to save sinners. He says this is the plan. God's goal in human history is to redeem men and redeem women through his son so they worship and serve him forever. And the climax began when Mary was told by the angel in Luke 1.35 that her son would be the son of who? God. Then Zechariah prophesied in Luke chapter 1 verse 77 that the Messiah would bring salvation through the forgiveness of sins. So Jesus had explained to his disciples 
everything that was written about him in the Old Testament, how it would be fulfilled. And listen, I want to encourage you again to go back and listen to another message as we move through the road to Emmaus, the second message there, because I want you to even understand exactly what Jesus is doing when he's explaining to them the scriptures. I want you to understand how it relates to the apostles and the New Testament prophets and what's written in the rest of the New Testament and even the closing of the canon. I want you to understand all of that, what Jesus is exactly doing in bringing this revelation that clarifies the Old Testament for them. But the focus here, listen, is different than even the road to Emmaus. Jesus is still explaining his gospel in light of the Old Testament to these disciples. But now this focus is not, listen, for their understanding only. Here in this section, the focus here is on them understanding for the sake of being able to proclaim the message themselves. That's what Jesus is doing here. He's about to give them the great commission. And he's saying, this was the plan. This has always been the plan. And I want you to come to an understanding of that plan because you are going to be the ones who go now and have to explain this to others. This launches the proclamation of the gospel. The Jewish people expected a certain type of Messiah, an earthly victor, one who not, he wouldn't die. How could the Messiah die? So the disciples are to preach the gospel to them, but they need to explain to them this message from the Old Testament. Think about this. Who were their first hearers? The Jews. Are you tracking with me? These are the ones who are going to have to hear their message first. The Jews, these disciples are going to be have to be able to explain the Old Testament and how it pointed to Christ for these Jewish listeners to hear the message and believe Jesus of Nazareth really is the Messiah. And so he's doing this not only with them in mind, but with their mission in mind. You see, the Jewish people had to understand that their problem was their sin. The true threat to their lives was not Gentile oppression. It was the enemy of sin. That the king or the Messiah was the divine Lord. That he wouldn't just suffer earthly, in earthly suffering, but that he would suffer as a substitutionary sacrifice. The Jewish people had to understand all of this. They thought this earthly king's coming. He's just going to suffer at the hands of the Gentiles. And the greatest enemy is Rome. No, the greatest enemy is your sin. The suffering servant will suffer because he's going to die. And the greatest accomplishment is for him to reconcile you back to God, not bring oppression back to Rome. They had to understand all this and be able to explain it. This was God's plan. This is how the plan would continue now through them. The proclamation of this salvation to the world was the next step. And you have to understand this. When Jesus says this has always been the plan, he's including the proclamation. The proclamation is part of the plan. The the Messiah was going to go do all this. And then 
it would be proclaimed to the nation. That's part of the plan. We're in the next step now, guys, right? That's what he's telling his disciples. We're in this next section now. We're in this next step. I accomplished what I was going to accomplish. Now, what has been part of the plan all along, the proclamation of it, that's where we're at now. And so this is your turn. This has always been part of the plan that salvation, once it's been accomplished by Christ, would be proclaimed to the world to effectually save sinners through the application of his work. This is still the plan. We are still on the plan. And now this must be proclaimed to everyone. Essentially, what Jesus is telling his disciples is, okay, remember now, this was the plan. Okay, now go into all the world. Okay, now. Right. And they were thoroughly unprepared. They lacked understanding. They failed to comprehend. They didn't get the Old Testament right. They were subject to superficial rabbi teaching. They didn't grasp Jesus's clear message to them when Jesus was still alive. So they couldn't rightly interpret the Old Testament to the rest of the Jewish people. And so Jesus now is saying, we're still on the plan. And let me explain it to you so you can explain it to others. They need to be corrected in their theology, their hermeneutic, their gospel. They need clear understanding. They need someone to instruct them rightly. This message is not, listen, this message is not contrary to the Old Testament, but it's a fulfillment of the Old Testament. So Jesus, look at what he does here. He's exposited to them the scriptures. Explain to them the scriptures, verse 44. The law of Moses, the prophets, the Psalms must be fulfilled. He explains it. Now listen now, stay with me, okay? The law of Moses, which is what? It's the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. And then the prophets, which includes the historical books or the former prophets, beginning with Joshua. And then the latter prophets, which are divided into two categories, the major and the minor prophets, which are the major being Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, Lamentations. And then the minor prophets being Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, and Malachi. And then the Psalms, representing the third kind of category there, which is the wisdom literature, which includes Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and Song of Solomon. Essentially, the whole Old Testament pointed to me. And evangelism, for them, listen, listen close, is to be based on Scripture. It's not supposed to be reduced down to the Dumbest message that you can bring. It was going to have to be based upon scripture. So Jesus needed to say, this has always been the plan. We're in the next step of the plan. Here's how the Old Testament pointed to me. So you understand so that you can explain it to others because your evangelism is to be based upon the scriptures. Expository evangelism. And so... They needed to understand what the scriptures said about the Christ. In order to evangelize the Jewish people, they were going to have to explain to them that Jesus came through the line of Abraham. Because that's what was predicted in Genesis 12. They were going to have to explain to them that he came from the tribe of Judah. Because that was what was explained in Genesis 49. They were going to have to explain that Jesus came through the line of David. 
because that was what was asserted in 2 Samuel 7. They were going to have to explain that he was born of a virgin because that what was, that's what was predicted in Isaiah 7. He, would, they, he was going to have to explain to them that he was born in Bethlehem because that was what was predicted about the Messiah in Micah 5. They were going to have to explain that he was betrayed by one of his closest friends because that's what was predicted about him in Psalm 41. They were going to have to explain to them that he was beaten because that's what was described of the Messiah in Isaiah 50. They were going to have to describe that he was, they cast lot for his clothing because that's what was described of him in Psalm 22. They were going to have to describe that he was crucified again because that's what was said of the Messiah in Psalm 22. They were going to have to describe that he was pierced because Zechariah 12 talked about that. And they were going to have to describe his resurrection because Psalm 16 predicted that. This was not some new mistaken message of some fabricated Messiah. They were going to have to explain to the Jewish people that this was the fulfillment of God's divine plan and prophecy. Jesus of Nazareth. And he's come to save sinners. That was the plan. And now it's the plan. Always been the plan for them to proclaim it. And it's happened exactly how they planned. And so he gives them a little Bible exposition and sovereign illumination. The same thing is on the road to Emmaus. Opens up the scriptures, explains, opens up their mind so they understand. It's how people understand and get saved. And so we see here, look at verse 45. Then he opened up their minds to understand the scriptures. Because of his sovereign illumination and how Christ explained the scriptures, they, their minds were open. And you want to know something amazing? At this point, they don't understand. And throughout the book of Acts, if you just kind of thumb through it, not now. You will see these disciples citing the Old Testament over and over and over again, beginning in Acts 1. Jesus' exposition of the scriptures and his sovereign illumination of their minds to understand the scriptures will result in these disciples understanding the Old Testament in light of the Messiah and then going into all the world and continually referencing the Old Testament and how it points to the Messiah. They're going to get it. I mean, it started in Acts 1. And then the expository evangelism begins. And so no doubt they would go on, because we see it, to proclaim the gospel. And they'll go on right away. Remember on the road to Emmaus, once those disciples' minds were open, they got up and traveled the exact opposite direction to which they came and told the rest of the disciples. And so, verse 46, after giving them understanding, verse 46, and he said to them, thus it is written, that the Christ should suffer, and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. That's 46 and 47. So, stay with me now, we're almost done. After giving them understanding, here's what Jesus is doing now. Listen, he's summarizing and reaffirming that this all took place. Look at verse 46. 
After he opens up their minds in verse 45, he said to them, thus or so, right? It is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead. He's explained to them the scriptures. So it's written here. Let me summarize it for you. The Christ, he accomplishes this work. Okay, just so you understand, let me summarize this. Let me affirm that it happened. And let me tell you that this was the plan in summary. Christ, Messiah, suffer, third day, rise. That was the plan. It happened. But there's more that has been written. Verse 47, and that, let me summarize all this for you. The Christ, suffer, die, third day, rise, and... Here was the plan. Here's always been the plan. Here's the next step of the plan. Let me tell you it now. This is what was written also. That repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning in Jerusalem. The plan has been for this salvation now that has been accomplished to be offered and proclaimed to the nations. The world that God made now needs to hear that they can be reconciled to God, to love him, to worship him, to serve him, to know him as he deserves, and that they should no longer be ignorant of him. Listen now, no longer be ignorant of him and his ways. This is what the world is. They are ignorant of him and his ways. They're off walking their own paths, the Bible said. They've turned from him. And they need to be, it needs to be brought to their attention. You are estranged from God. You're going your own way. And the way you are going is full of sin. And you might not call it that because it's in line with the world and looks just like the world. But if you compare yourself to the world, you're going to look pretty good. But in comparison to who God is and his law and what he requires, you're going your own way and you've been separated from God. And so now you deserve punishment and God has provided a substitute to take your punishment. You need to turn away from your sin. You need to turn to God who created you and owns you and owns all things and deserves to be served and worshiped because there's only one God. And he made you and you're not God and he loves you, but your blessing through Christ will also be your greatest good, but it will also result in his greatest glory. You need to turn away from your sin, come back to God and be saved. And you can follow his ways now. This is the message that they're ignorant of. And so they need to be told to repent for the forgiveness of sins. Not you have forgiveness of sins, don't do anything. Repent so that you would have what? Forgiveness of sins. You, to repent, you have to realize that you, what your condition is. And when you realize that and you turn and you turn to God through Christ, you can have forgiveness of sins. That's a guarantee. The only question is, this is a conditional situation here. The only question is, will you what? Repent. There are to be no longer obstinate people like those in the Old Testament who refuse to worship and follow the one true God. They are to be 
ones who can be embraced and enjoy fellowship with God experience this his blessing if they agree with God about their condition, understand what awaits them in judgment, turn in repentance, agreeing with God about their condition, trusting in Christ in his substitutionary sacrifice. That's why verse 47, look at what it says. And that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in what? In what? His name. It's only happening through one person. It's in the name of who? Christ. That's it. You have to understand. I mean, we could just pick this apart. I want to just dive right in this verse and just like swim around and look around. There's so much here. What the world needs, the primary need of the world is forgiveness of sins. How that happens is through repentance, which encompasses a lot that I just explained to you. And the repentance needs to happen. And all of this can happen because of the sacrifice of Christ. And so this will result in the forgiveness of sin, which separates God from man, and they will be reconciled to God. Isaiah 55, 7 says this, let the wicked forsake his ways and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord and he will have compassion on him to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. The wicked man forsakes his ways and God abundantly pardons. This is the message. This is the plan. And the end of this says that this will start in Jerusalem, verse 44, literally. And it will go then to all nations. Even the Old Testament teaches that this gospel message would be proclaimed to all nations, to all nations. I want to read you some of these verses just so you hear them. I know we're at the end here, but just listen. Because I don't really have to explain much about that meaning, all nations. I want to let the text do the work itself. Okay? You guys know in Genesis chapter 22, God told Abraham, in your seed, all the what? Nations of the earth shall be blessed. 1 Kings 8, 41 through 43. It says this, likewise, when the foreigner who is not of your people, you can turn, you can just listen, because I'm going to go through these. When a foreigner who is not of your people, Israel, comes from a far country for your name's sake, for he shall hear of your great name and your mighty hand and of your outstretched arm. When he comes and prays towards this house here in heaven, your dwelling place and do according to all for which the foreigner calls to you in order that all the peoples of the earth may know your name and fear you as do your people, Israel, and that they may know that this house that I have built is called by your Name. It has been written that this gospel needs to go to all nations. This is what I'm explaining to you. Let me read a couple more to you. First, uh, Isaiah, Isaiah chapter two. You can turn there if you want, or just listen. Isaiah chapter two. Verses two through three. It shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established as the highest of the mountains and should be lifted up above the hills and all the nations shall flow to it. And many people shall come and say, come, let us go to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways and that 
we may walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. That was always the plan. This is Isaiah. Let's go to Isaiah 45. Isaiah 45, verse 22. It says, turn to me and be saved all the ends of the earth, for I am God and there is no other. Isaiah 49, 6. He says, it is too light a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to bring back the preserved of Israel. I will make you as a light for the nations that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. Let's turn to Isaiah chapter 60, verses 1 through 3. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth. And thick darkness the people, but the Lord will arise upon you, and his glory will be seen upon you. And nations shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. Lift up your eyes all around and see. They all gather together, they come to you. For your sons shall come from afar, and your daughters shall be carried on the hip. And let me, let me point to one more in Micah. Micah chapter 4, verses 1 through 2. It shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established as the highest of the mountains, and it shall be lifted up above the hills, and people shall flow to it. And many nations shall come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways and that we may walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. Listen now, all of this to say that this has always been the plan for Christ to accomplish his work. He's been saying it. And then for his disciples to bring this from Jerusalem to the world, to the nations. And now Jesus is saying, this has always been the plan. This is the step that we're in now. And then he's about to tell him, you're the people. Go proclaim it. So all of this to say, I want you to see that you are part, if you are in Christ, you are now part of this plan. And you've been part of this plan. That he would reach you with the gospel and then you would go on and carry out his plan by bringing the message to the nations. You're up. You're up. I want you to have a way bigger picture about evangelism than just a superficial affection for the person you see. You should care and you should love that person. I want you to. The Bible wants you to. But this is way bigger you are part of God's plan now. And the question is, will you be his witness? Will you obey his words? Will you follow his plan? Will you bring this message to the nations? That's what he's telling his disciples to do, and that's what he's telling you to do. Let's pray.